Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This Word in Your Ear is brought to you thanks to NordVPN. And VPN stands for, Mark Ellen. Virtual Private Network. There Say it is. Say it once more, Mark. Virtual VPN Private. Virtual Very private. good. Uh, you almost could know what Virtual Private Network means. And uh, in case, to just jog your memory, it's a way of keeping your data safe. On the internet, whenever, particularly whenever you're logging in, either at home or abroad, it protects your identity and encrypts your data so that nobody can steal your identity. Uh, at the same time, it enables you to access the internet via servers which are in more than 50 different countries. So you can choose where you want to be from today. Uh, This means you can often sidestep uh, the region restrictions and stream movies and TV programs from all around the world. I had an example of that this week, Mark. I took took advantage of my VPN uh, to to take advantage of the fact that Operation Mincemeat is on Netflix in the United States and hadn't arrived in the UK as yet. So I watched this. Now we know a little bit about Operation Mincemeat because you went to see you went to see a, a stage well, production. I went to see the, you know, the same story. Yeah, which is absolutely fantastic, actually, and it is just a brilliant idea that a story about a dead body um, being dressed up uh, and supplied with papers indicating that it was uh, actually a, a, a British soldier uh, was found washed up off the coast of spain it was an incredibly complicated thing wasn't it to try, to try and uh to get to, to hitler to move to, troops out of uh, out of sicily and into sardinia and worked and the idea of making a musical um, about that it seems pretty unlikely actually song and dance well, it's one of those stories numbers, that just will not go away you know i first became aware of it there was a, a 1957 film i think 1956 film called the man who never yeah. was and it's based on a true story. It was actually, this happened in 1943. They, they, they took a dead body and they dressed it up in the, in the uniform of an officer and, and then dropped it in the sea, knowing it would wash up on the coast of Spain. It would contain all the briefcase of fake papers and letters. And, 
Anyway, the story was revived a couple of years ago by Ben McIntyre in his book, Operation Mincemeat, which I have to say is a terribly good book, as are all Ben McIntyre's books, uh, which tend to be espionage-based. Uh, and anyway, they made another film of it, uh, this time starring Colin Firth and Kelly MacDonald and Matthew McFadden and, and so forth. And, uh, and I was watching it, and it struck me as a classic case of when they make old stories nowadays, they kind of have to make them acceptable to modern sensibilities by putting in things that just seem really jarring to me, you know. So there we are in London in the blackout. We're in London in the blackout, you know. It's 1943. There's no indication we're going to win this war. It's pretty, pretty grim life for everybody. And suddenly you get the feeling that some producers have said, you know, this this wartime thing, it's, it's all a bit of a downer, isn't it? It's all a bit of a downer. Can we... Can we just lift the audience a little bit? So so Kelly MacDonald and uh, Colin Firth find themselves in a kind of underground club where there are suddenly loads of African-American soldiers absolutely everywhere, jitterbugging incredibly energetically. And uh, with Kelly MacDonald joining in and so forth. And it really is as if somebody said, oh, we're in the middle of this war. Can't you have just 10 minutes? Light strictly... Sprinkly <laughs> come down to throw, and you just think this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, take me back to the 1956 dreary original. Actually, that's that. That's my view. So that's you know that's what got my goat in the world of uh, uh, of online video this week. Anyway, is the film so worth watching? Can, is it any good? Oh, I got halfway through. I, I will probably go and complete it after this, Mark. After we talked about it, I stopped halfway through. I stopped during the jitterbug sequence because no, I was just, just cross. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, if you want to join me, you can take advantage of a deal where you can try NordVPN by going to nordvpn.com slash your ear or just using the code YOURIA to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free and a bonus gift. And it's risk-free because there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Full details in the notes below. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Well, look, I've only seen the uh, the trailers for uh, Danny Boyle's minis TV miniseries, Pistol. Um, but you've seen... <laughs> I wasn't wildly persuaded, but then that's very unkind to say that about a trailer. But you've seen the entire thing, haven't you? And, uh, and it first I've thing seen, that struck I've me... Seen the, I've, I've seen the first two. First I've seen the first two. two. All right. But the first thing that struck me was how how difficult it is to find actors that can convince you that they are the person because pop stars look extraordinary don't they they're not conventionally handsome or beautiful they're slightly odd yeah. i mean the the, the 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 occasional one is beautiful elvis presley um you know was beautiful but kind of slightly odd you know what i mean still so slightly you odd at, debbie Harry, you really good example you know just oh yeah classic too big body a strange i mean absolutely Gorgeous, but but unusual. If you saw her walking but down the street, you wouldn't immediately think, you know. But also, you are, you know, you're asking them to impersonate somebody with whom you are spookily familiar. Yeah, you, you are. Know, that's that's the kind of challenge. Yeah, 
you know, the the the, the guy playing you know, Johnny Rotten in in this, you think he just looks like any actor who was playing, you know, in a Joe Orton play in the 1960s or something. You know, it's kind of standard actor plays a bit of a transgressive youth. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a sort of, it's a standard act, you know. And the other thing that struck me about them, I tell you, was, it was a bit similar to watching Dunkirk, which is that contemporary actors just look too toned to play 1940s squaddies. They can't do it. You know what I mean? Those guys were, were different. The they had different nutrition just, and yeah, so forth. Worst you know. diet imaginable. Absolutely. Horrible spotty oiks, you know. And I felt what I was I was looking at I was looking at the cast of uh, Pistol and thinking, I bet you're all vegans. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I bet not one of you if they've started the day on egg and chips and the can of Lucasite or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever was the diet embassy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I, it's, that's very difficult to to do. You know, and and to get to get a bunch of actors who are kind of people in their in their early twenties nowadays to play these people who were kind of post war generation people, and this reaches a kind of particular pitch of absurdity. When you get Nick Kent, you know who was who was on the on the fringes of the Sex Pistols story, legendary rock journalist of the seventies, Nick Kent, uh, played by an actor who's I'm sorry I don't I don't want to draw particular attention to to the name of this actor, but I feel I have to share with you the fact that part of Nick Kent is played by Ferdia Walsh Pilo. Thirdia Walsh Pilo. I'm sorry, that person comes from a different universe <laughs> than Nick Kent comes from. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, and you're playing a person who also in real life played a person, which was in the case of Nick was, Kent, was Keith Richards, it, it, wasn't he? Keith Richards, absolutely. Wore the same clothes, and the same things. Yeah, exactly. And. Um, you know, so they're playing people who are playing a role, uh, which is is just very hard to do. And the other thing is that although it's Steve Jones's story, and I've not read Steve Jones's book, and you tell me I've Steve Jones's book is really, really good. good. It's really good, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. It still ends up being a story of a band. And if you're going to do a story of a band in a movie, there are certain things that will inevitably occur whether your band is Cliff Richard and the Shadows or the Sex Pistols or Nirvana or whatever. You know, the demands of film are such that there will be a scene when the characters sit around a pub table and somebody says, well, that's the music sorted out. Now what about the image? <laughs> and you just think, there's another no, really no annoying band ever about, invented. Uh, there's another really annoying trait about biopics where if you introduce somebody... Um, you've got to say who it is within about a minute because otherwise, you know, it, I mean, I haven't seen this film, but, you know, imagine at some point, you know, Johnny will look up and go, that's the guy who might manage us one day, Malcolm McLaren <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? you know? I'd say there's a classic case of this. I've actually mentioned that I, re I review this for the New Statesman. So you can read my wise words on the New Statesman website or, or in the magazine, I'm sure. And um, and they do this, you know, so, you know, yeah. 
you know, they, they either have to introduce themselves yeah. some way, you know, or, or the script is going to do the do it for them. Yeah. And uh, at one point in episode two, I think there's a kind of party in their rehearsal space in Denmark Street, where there's the Jordan there and all the kind of all the punk, you know, faces. And suddenly this guy appears out of nowhere, large in the life, and sprays beer all over the crowd. And I'm thinking, and just as I'm thinking, is that supposed to be Billy Idol? He actually introduced himself. He introduced himself by saying, "I come from Bromley." Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, there's a bit of a clue. Billy, there. Uh, oh, it's so clunky, is it? It's terrible. It is clunky. But my and, question um, to you is: Is have you been? Because I've only very rarely been convinced by people playing pop stars. I thought the guy who played Rocket Man, the, the Rocket Man, Elton John, wasn't too bad. I thought Aaron Johnson as John Lennon in Nowhere Boy was fantastic. But best ever, Whacking Thorn. And Reese Witherspoon. You ever seen Walk the Line? Yeah. They yeah. were fantastic. John, as Johnny and June Carter. I thought they were absolutely amazing. And and sang the parts themselves. But you see, Reese Witherspoon, classic case. Reese Witherspoon, being a film star, it's just like, I'm sorry, I'm going to sound really ungentlemanly here. You're going to say slightly she's too, too good, good looking. looking. No, slightly true. too good looking. It's like, you know, the, the, the girl playing uh, Chrissy Hind in this, Sydney Chandler. I'm sorry, she's too fabulous young actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrissy yeah. Hind had a really odd look. She did. That was what was hypnotic about her, that she didn't look like an actress. And it's interesting that Chrissy Hind is in that film at all, really, because she's another bit part, isn't she? But, I mean, someone whose career has subsequently taken off, so it's just a way of kind of uh, getting people's attention. She's in, she's in the acknowledgements. It says, thanks very much to Chrissy Hind. I think... There was obviously some kind of transaction about, yeah, yes, yeah. it's all right to depict me in this film as long as I'm, you know, get a get a decent spin. But listen, I've only seen two episodes. And at the end of the second episode, and they're 50 minute episodes, so they're quite long. At the, by the end of the second episode, they've just played their first show, you know. Oh so God. that gives you an idea of the fact that they're kind of holding back because they're thinking, we're going to do six episodes here. Six 50-minute episodes about a group who didn't last, who lasted how, how long? Three years? Yeah, no, it was something not like massive. that, in, in yeah. one way or another. Yeah. And um, and of course, what does the film open with? And you know, what does any film dealing with punk rock open with, whether it's a documentary or a drama? Rats, it has to open. Well, okay, I'll come to this in a second. All right. Okay. It opens with the Queen. You've got to have the queen, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, and you're thinking, I wonder how long it'll be before I see the rubbish piled high in Leicester Square. There it is. There it is. <laughs> because the interesting thing about the rubbish piled high in Leicester Square is it didn't happen until 1979. No, it's not the documentary point. makers, is it? It's all part of punk rock, isn't it? <laughs> Punk it rock is. was over by then. <laughs> well, you know, because the uh, I can't, you can't accuse Danny no, no. Boyle of that because he's nearer no. our age than the average documentary director. But the average documentary director only knows about punk rock because they've read about it somewhere. You know what I mean? So they've accepted a kind of cliched view of it. So you know, it, it, it'll be Approach with you soon. Well, listen, you know. That's the way those streaming things work, isn't it? If you like it, you'll keep on watching. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, yeah. you'll just you'll just fall away, won't you? It, it, uh, it, it. I'll give it points for the fact that it doesn't use all its cards at the outset. 
which very often films do. Very often nowadays, films give you all the highlights right at the beginning and then say, this is what we're going to tell you. That doesn't do it. It takes a relatively unfolding view of its story. But um, I should be interested to hear what people think. Yeah. The Word Podcast, prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. Very sad to see that Alan White had died um, this week. Alan White, who, I mean, I can just, I can still remember seeing Instant Karma uh, on Top of the Pops in whatever it be, 1970, and thinking how absolutely astonishing the drumming was. The drumming, the Phil Spector sound on the original record too. And how old was Alan White Day when he recorded that? With, with the, well, uh, nineteen twenty something like that would it be? Yeah, he was he was just twenty years old. Absolutely incredible. So I've been reading his obituaries. You know, Alan White started born in nineteen seventy nine, and he started as a kind of pretty much you know working musician when he was thirteen in a group called the Downbeats. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he was thirteen years old at the time. He kind of was also doing a paper round to kind of keep a bit more money coming in, and in. Uh, when he was 14, uh, he was in a group called the Blue Chips, who appeared at the uh, the London Palladium. And when he was 17, he was working with, you know, Alan Price and, and Billy Fury and stuff and finished up in, in, the, in the Plastic Ono band when he was uh, when he was 20. I mean, that's astonishing, isn't it? So this guy... Who but, uh, uh, not, un- not unusual at the time, really, yeah. was it? Because that whole generation, what you do know about that entire generation... And here we're talking about the uh, the sixties and early seventies. Yeah, is none of them, none of them went to college. No, you know, if they did, they went to art college for like six months. Because now left. you've got a thing where they they leave school at the age of eighteen, they take a year off tooling around and going to Goa <laughs> and buying an elephant's hair bracelet and listening to Bob Marley's Legend album, and then they come back and then they go to university, don't they, for three years, and then they take another year off, so they don't actually start them. <laughs> to the this probably they really did 23, 24 or something. But then these guys, by the age of 24, had, I mean, like George Harrison, George Harrison kind of left the Beatles at the age of whatever it was, 26 or 27. It was all over. Well, oh, we were talking about this only yesterday, and I, I don't wish to shoehorn a reference to my to my best-selling four-CD compilation, Deep 70s, at your record shop or online now. But we were talking about, and I talked about this yesterday, an event we did at Rough Trade, and uh, and we were making the point, you know, that out of the 71 tracks on there, the overwhelming majority of them will have been done by performers who were under the age of 25 yeah. at that point. Yeah, because that it. really struck me listening to your your fantastic CDs. Um, was is that <laughs> no, I, think I look at that effortless segue there. No, that that um, you know that that people feel obligated now to, to again it's a generalization to write songs about issues and anxieties and things of substance. You know what struck me about your your seventies CD compilation is so much of it is about just how wonderful life was in the nineties. So just how wonderful it was to be alive. And and all the opportunities and the just the fun and entertainment and amusement was available, and that's because all the people on that record are, as you say, what about twenty five years old? Although even, all... even today, it's quite interesting. The opening track on there is "Payo" by Jesse Winchester, oh, yeah. which is about the joy of just getting your pay on a Friday. Yeah, now, let's yeah. go out on the time tonight. My pockets are heavy with loot, and uh, and you can't, no. Nobody's going to do that any longer, you know. 
oh, my salary's just gone into my bank yeah. account. Yeah. I'm really thrilled about it. Actually, talking about rock stars and age, uh, I just wanted to to interject on the subject of a record we were we were talking to Warren Parker about last week because you were you were away at a wedding last week. Yeah, I was. Which is the smile, which is Tom York's latest kind of radio head spin-off project, which I've I've spent quite a bit of time listening to this week. Have you have you heard it? I've heard a bit of it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really good. But there's always a book. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my point. It's a really good record. It sounds fabulous. It, it, it sounds, you know, as Owen said, better than Radiohead. But here's what's, what's odd about it to me, is it kind of sounds, it's indie, isn't it? Yeah. And it, its overall tone, if you were to characterise its tone, you might say it's kind of bleating. Yes? <laughs> it, it's, it's bleating, you know? It, that that is an adjective you could you could ascribe to, to Radiohead on occasions too, but yeah, go on. Well, okay, uh, yeah, and actually, I go further. It's an adjective that I would apply to to uh, pretty much all indie, all indie, yeah, all, all indie. like it or not. It's kind of bleating, middle class you know, white rock. The, the, yeah. the whole deal, the whole deal with indie is life's not fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, but the but here's the here's the point. This is being made by guys in their early 50s. Yes? Yeah. So they are making the kind of noise which, if they had teenage children, you would be expecting the teenage children to make. These people must have teenage children, are probably older than teenage children. How do those teenage children feel about the fact that that's my dad? making that sound and it's a really good sound i'm not knocking it in any shape or form but it's kind of funny in the sense that it it doesn't sound like the work of men in the 50s no it sounds like the work of, of men in the early 20s yeah, or something that's their idiot and, uh, exactly it, it, it's it's the so idiot will their children have rebelled against that and gone off and listened to um incredibly conventional things. I don't know. They might have just run well, in the opposite direction and been embarrassed. I don't know. You see, you see I, I would have thought you get to a point in life where you've been, you know, you've passed certain kind of Rubicons. You know, you've been to a parent's evening. You've had a conversation. You've had a conversation that probably might even have included the expression, you're not going out of the house dressed like that. <laughs> you know, you know, you've you've taken on certain of the responsibilities of adult life, and yet you're still making that sound. Yeah, it just seems there's something slightly out of kilter about it's an it. Adolescent noise, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair, though, it's a really good record. It's a really good record. I highly recommend everybody listen to it. But sorry, that was just. Uh, it amused me to think of uh, oh, you know, chaps in their 50s yeah. making that sound. We also ought to mention Andy Fletcher, don't you think? Oh, Andy Fletcher. On. Well, you have done. Go on. I go have. On. I mean, Andy Fletcher, it's really... Uh, it's really of of Depeche Mode. Of Depeche Mode, who died uh, very young, in mean, 60 or whatever, you know. And uh, it was very interesting because no one could quite work out what he did. And it's just one of those examples where... The 
roles that people have in in groups that they evolve into are often not very kind of clearly defined and often very, very crucial, even though they don't appear to be on the surface. So Andy Fletcher didn't sing, and he was the only person who never had a songwriting credit. And uh, he, he, he said in 1989, he said, Martin's the songwriter, Alan's the good musician, Dave's the vocalist, and I just bum around. And then uh, after Alan left, Rolling Stone said, Depeche Mode's unique division of labour has long been established, with each of the three remaining members having a distinct role. Martin Gore writes the songs, Dave Garn sings them, and Andy Fletcher shows up for photo shoots and cashes the checks. But actually it transpired, obviously, that he was a really integral part of the setup. They describe him as the tiebreaker who brings the band together. And they didn't have a kind of official manager for a long time. And so he took on all the other kind of non-musical interests, a lot of the legal things, a lot of the business things. So he's pretty much managing yeah. the band. Really interesting that you think there's this person you could, and there must be so many other examples of people who, you know, Charlie Watts is a really obvious one, I think, you know, the, the, the people who, you know, they, they might've sort of been in the background were probably absolutely vital to the way the group interconnected, you know. And I suppose it might be interesting. I mean, they've been going a long time now, haven't they? It's 40 years. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they continue now that he's no no longer with us. Um, Because I'm sure you're right that he was, he he must have been the glue in the group. Otherwise, why would he be? Why would he have been there that long? Why would he have been there? Exactly. And he would be probably the unthreatening one who was never going to. I don't know, usurp all the song credits or just to push me out of the limelight or, I don't know, steal the thunder. He was just there in the background. But he's probably, he's probably also the guy who said, he was probably the proposer. He was probably the person who says, in any group, there's always a proposer. There's always somebody who says, why don't we do this? And without the proposer, nothing moves forward at all. Yeah, yeah. Even, even if the rest of them say, no, it's a terrible idea. At least it's he suggested. simply by proposing. You move yeah, the thing forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see. The Word Podcast. Two cocoa tins and a piece of string. The, the first of our birthday guests this week, Anne Camber. Hello, Anne. We see you again. Yes, that's rather lovely to see you again. Mm-hmm. Well, happy birthday. When is it? Happy birthday. Oh, it was, lo- it was Monday last week. Um, but we, we were in Suffolk. We were in lovely, beautiful Suffolk. Staying with Very my good. sister, so yeah, so we had a yeah, lots of partying. It was good. Good, good. Well, then, then to complete your uh, your perfect birthday week, you get the opportunity to to throw something into the conversation on the word podcast, uh, and uh, and you've been thinking about uh, making up playlists for car journeys. Tell us about this. Well, my husband and I are inveterate playlist makers. Um, and we we've been making playlists for car journeys for years and years and years. And particularly, we've done quite a lot of, lot of long drives across the United States and in Canada. And we've always made playlists. Does that include Chuck Berry on your playlist? Then? Well, no, you see, this is the thing. We, we've come to we, we, we're beginning to think that there's a bit of a science or an art to it, actually. Right, perfect playlist for a car journey. Because actually, you don't necessarily play your favourite stuff. Um, so, for instance, because I'm a massive Nick Cave fan, but Nick Cave doesn't ever make the cut. He doesn't travel, does he? No, no he does that would not. He's no. not got that kind of sense of propulsion no. about him, has he? There's That's no, true. He doesn't travel. Um, 
So, and there are other favourites I have that simply don't travel. So we've we've come to the sort of the decision that there are various things that it, that you have to have in a song. Go on. In Go a on. car. Right. So first of all, it has to be a big sound, but yeah. not too big. Um, it, there has to be it, it has to, there has to be a melody that you at least sort of recognise. Um, and can join in with. And can join in with. Yeah. But the, the lyrics are absolutely immaterial. In fact, there's the, the lyrics, actually, the more they make sense, the worse it is for a car, because you don't want to get sucked into the song, the lyrics. No. You want to just repeat a load of old rubbish. So there's a lot of songs that uh, fit that bill. Um, and... You also don't want to have something with too incessant a beat because that can get very annoying, especially when you're sitting in a traffic jam. Uh, in you know, it, which you inevitably are. In fact, we were sitting in one yesterday. That um, would be very frustrating because the music suggests that you're exactly, moving. The music's sitting oh, no, there, and you're go, kind go, of getting yeah. more and more frustrated. So, give us so, some examples of tracks that fit those criteria. Right. So, so we over the years we've honed it down to. The following artists, okay. That oh, we, right, this is good. This is good, this is good. Yeah, so that fits the book. Now, this is obviously only for me and for my husband, and there have okay. been disagreements <laughs> as to what should make the hit, but we found the perfect companions are, in no particular order, Paul Simon. Oh, right, right. good, yes, yes, yes. 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 I can yes. see that completely. With you, completely. Yeah. Sort of America, yeah. Yeah. Um, Fleetwood Mac. No, I can yes. see that too. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jackson Brown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mary Chapin Carpenter. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who fits the bill? Um, Rufus Wainwright. Gosh. Oh, oh it's a, controversial. It's a rich diet, isn't it, Rufus Wainwright? More than yeah. one. one well, day. he's got some quite big sounding songs that you can yes, sing along to. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't have to worry about the lyrics. One thing you cannot have is a song that makes you cry, because uh, that's disastrous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's sobbing so at the wheel. I know. Well, my husband doesn't drive, you see, so I do all the driving. Right. And uh, I cannot have a song that where I'm going to start weeping. So I think Paul. I think Paul Simon's. Paul Simon's an excellent suggestion. Yeah, because yeah. really works. There's just a kind yeah. of lightness about Paul Simon, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I can't think and of all a, the a single of Paul Simon song that doesn't work actually. Yeah, no, no. in a car. So I tell you, our number one, absolute number one, top band. Go on, go on. Steely Dan. Yes, yes, I can see that completely. Yes, absolutely yeah. perfect. We, there is no playlist that does not have at least three or four Steely Dan. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. Because, because it's got the right amount of beat, it's got the right sort of The lyrics are absolute rubbish, so you don't... Nobody knows what it means. No, no, one, no one understands them anyway. No. So it doesn't matter, you can just sing along. But there's a there's a propulsion to them, but and they also just cheer you up. Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in just one. Uh, it's not a spanner in the works at all, but just an observation based on. I was traveling yesterday evening, coming back from something, not by car, but on the tube. And I, uh, we had a, Mark and I had a couple of drinks, didn't we? We weren't <laughs> together. He was going. He was, 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I got on the tube and uh, it was quiet on the tube because everybody had gone home to watch the football. And wow. so I put on, I put on my, uh, you know, iPhone and I just put some music on and I just let, you know, whatever it wanted to play me, play me. And he played me a record I've heard for ages. And I'm holding it up here. It's tricky. Angels oh, with dirty faces. Tricky, gosh. And it sounded absolutely fantastic in those circumstances. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That's good. On a tube train, (laughs) on a Saturday evening... Having had a couple of couple of pints, mm. absolutely, it sounded all the way home. It sounded as if it was built for for listening to on the tube. And I've just played it prior to this uh, this this chat, and it doesn't sound as good. No, you know, it's a combination. That's like buying wine abroad and then yeah. bringing it home, and it tastes different when you get yeah. back. Yeah. Oh, I just think it's wrong. some music that just sounds yeah. right in a certain place and then doesn't sound right somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing yeah. that matters with me with music is not the music; it's your state of mind. Exactly. It, yeah. It's it's being yeah. sufficiently receptive. Therefore, in the state of mind of traveling with your husband, you are receptive to yeah. to those particular artists, and also. There is a degree of accord between the two of you. Yeah. Neither of you are playing anything that's likely to get the go to the other person. Because if you were, neither of you would enjoy it at all. Exactly. You know? exactly. So there has been an element of negotiation over the years. Absolutely. That's brilliant. But so harm, that's harmony reigns in the car when Steely yeah, Dan exactly. and Fleet were back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Steely that's, Dan that's, comes on. Yeah, some of my choices are ZZ Top are good too, I think. And also, oh, right. I, I think, and I think River Deep Mountain High is a song for some reason. Well, actually, there's Motown. We, we just, Motown is a, probably another good one that we haven't really quite explored yet, but I think there's probably some rich gold in Motown. Yeah, yeah. There certainly is. Travelling so, in for, for car uh, well, well, look, let us know next birthday. You'll have to, you'll have yeah. to try, uh, try yeah. Motown sometime <laughs> in the next year. And we come back and let us know how it went. 
Lovely but happy you. birthday uh, to you of this week. All the very best. Thanks, the Word Podcast. Clearly, there is no plan. And our next Patreon supporter celebrating his birthday this week is Paul Thompson. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon. When did it take place? When was the great day? It was on Friday. So, Were there great festivities? Was there, <laughs> were the fireworks let off? There were fantastic festivities, yes. Yeah. Oh, were they good? Like what? <laughs> oh, very good. I travelled, like we actually went into town, out for dinner, Ooh. and then... Oh, and then good walk, grief. To... Um, it was a Jarvis Cocker day, actually. You might have noticed he's got a book out. Yes. And um, he had an exhibition down Chilton Street and uh, and a big talk thing he did at um, Royal Festival Hall with Miranda oh, well, Sawyer. Oh, right. Yeah. With Miranda well, Sawyer. I read about that on Twitter, actually. Yeah, yeah. It sounded really good. That was, it was good. This is the next level of, of uh, talking about your book, Royal Festival Hall and, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's one up on yeah. your, your your little tent at the Literary Festival, isn't yeah. it? Good for him. Well, he's very good. He's very good, and it's an amazing story. It's great. So, Paul, you what's yours? Your your what's been getting your goes? Or what do you think we should talk about? Um, well, my I've been noticing over the last year or so this t- tendency to um, when you get involved in criticising popular music to to relate it back to classical music, which I just don't understand why this is done, what I'm supposed to get out of it, and um, um, and how it's supposed to relate back to anything that pop musicians do. So I, I think it's trying to bring some sort of, uh, some sort of um, respectability to the whole thing, I think. Gravitas. 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 Have you ever seen Howard Goodall? Have you ever seen Howard Goodall's programmes? Uh, I don't, don't recognise Oh, he's brilliant. He's done a lot about the Beatles. But, I mean, he's done a thing. I, I saw a thing he did where he was saying that the chord sequences of, you know, Yesterday and Eleanor Rigby and She's Leaving Home and I Love Her uh, echoed the cadences of 14th century hymn. <laughs> you think, that's really <laughs> interesting. And I've never noticed that before. But clearly it wasn't a conscious thing on the part of the Beatles. It's just well, well, they, it's they've absorbed a lot of chords. Exactly. It's a coincidence, yeah. I, I, and um, what are we supposed to get out of that? Well, I suppose we are. I'm guessing here. We're supposed to feel flattered that they've noticed us. Because here's your problem: if you if you're your kind of serious academic scholar, or, you know, classical musician, or whatever, what's the thing that vexes you every morning when you get out of bed? It's the fact that the world doesn't seem to be bothered about what you have to say about anything. Therefore. The way you get the world's attention is taking your lens and applying it to something that the world is interested in, right. and therefore telling telling them what they ought to think about, you know, Lady Gaga or Paul McCartney or whatever. Yeah. That's how they do it. And yeah. I I always think the same thing after hearing these things, like, so what? You know, because I've got a strong feeling classical musicians, great as they are, don't begin to understand pop music. Just no. don't get it. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting that I, the thing I've been working on recently, and uh, it really made me think that um, when, when Pink Floyd met Yehudi Menuhin, um, there, were, there was some kind of meeting at Abbey Road or something. I can't remember how it actually started. And they wanted Yehudi Menuhin to just play a little bit on one of their records, just so yeah. they could say they had Yehudi Menuhin on it. And he he was 
honest enough to say he literally couldn't begin <laughs> to play even five notes without having them written out for him on a stave. And I, that was such a reminder of what a fundamentally different tradition it is, you know, thing, uh, that he just couldn't begin to do it. That and on the really... other hand, and on the other hand, when Paul McCartney, when they were doing Penny Lane and, and they got, uh, you know, and he famously late in the day, he heard David Mason playing the piccolo trumpet on Vivaldi's Four Seasons on the television and said to George Martin, I'd like that sound on our record. And so George Martin said, well, I know David Mason. I'll just call him. Got David Mason in. David, They selected the instrument he was going to play. George Martin wrote it out. Very demanding piece, even if you're a remarkable player. And David Mason did it, did it perfectly first time. And then Paul McCartney said, hit the talk back and said, it's really good. Why don't you give it another pass? Let's, let's, let's take another take. That's right, yeah. Didn't and, he say, I, David, I'm not capable of doing it because I've worn out my list. It. it had to be explained to him that, that you cannot do that again. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a physical act. It's an act of enormous discipline. It's not like getting in the groove. It's not like we've hardly met, you know. And that's another reminder of just what vastly different worlds these two things are. Don't you think, Mark? I absolutely, totally agree. I mean, to be boring about it, all pretty much all Western pop music is in the pentatonic scale. Are you a musician or not, Paul? Uh, it, I have been in the past. Well, uh, pentatonic scale is is just a, a, a series of notes that 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 just happen to chime, and yeah. the classical music is not in that scale at all. Yeah. It's got all sorts of sharps and flats that would, that no pop musician would ever play. So they are two. Uh, what's the word? Not incompatible, but they're not integratable languages, really. That's really interesting. So, it's not it's not classical music, but I would suggest if you want analysis or deconstruction of, of songs, look out for a guy called Rodri Marsden on Twitter. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. He's not very really classical, but he did one the other day where he was talking about the descending bass chord, the, the particular chord sequence, pointing out that it was the same chord sequence for the Wombles, the Wombling song, as Paranoid Android by Radiohead, three lines on the shirt. My Baby Just Cares For Me by Nina Simone and Piano Man by Billy Joel. They're all the same, effectively the same song. See, I think that kind of thing is really useful. No, it's very you interesting. Those songs again, you think, actually, I can now sing three lights on the shirt to this. You know, really interesting. Yeah. So next time you're bothered by somebody on the radio, some <laughs> classical boffin going on about popular music, ring them up and say, why don't you get Rodri Marsden on? Rodri is the guy who talks sense. And you, you get my vote, vote as well. Well, look, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, I hope we've we've put the cherry on the uh, on the uh, Knickerbocker glory of your of your birthday week. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very much. Brilliant. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink, and it's like being in the pub. Ray Roscoe, Ray, another another birthday patron. How lovely to see you. And uh, your birthday is shared with who? A, a, a wide oh, a number of people, but in uh, in the music world, it's um, Susie Sue and Silla Black. So nice, of course. good female icons. Very contrasting. That's good. Can you see me, by the way? We can. Yeah, yeah, right, go yeah. on, Karen. And then, uh, in, um, where are we? In uh, in the world of cooking, I've got Jamie Oliver and Heston Blumenthal. Fantastic. Um, 
and schlock horror movies from the 60s, Christopher Lee and Vincent Price. Amazing. Very good. I can add more. John Conte, the former headmaster of Eton. I've got the lot. Of all, <laughs> they're all, like, all people. I don't know what happened nine months before me, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> what did you do on your birthday? So what? Yes. Well, what did I do on my birthday? Right. Um, I well, I'm retired now, so uh, I did a tour. I do, I'm a, t- a volunteer tour guide at the National Trust, so I go there once a week, usually a Friday. Um, at Sutton House, do you know Sutton House? It's, an, it's a Tudor building in Hackney. I live in Hackney, and uh, oh, right. the okay. oldest home in Hackney, or the oldest home in East London. So, fantastic. And, uh, so I do that, and um, I usually try and shoehorn a, uh, a music reference in whilst I'm going round there. Um, and is it often noticed by your uh, by it's your? Some, well, your, I sometimes your, get your guiding. smiles. <laughs> Give us an example of the kind of thing you said. Uh, well, I um, well, the building at Sutton House was named after Thomas Sutton, who founded Charterhouse School. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which is where all the of Genesis, Genesis. Met, you know, apart from Phil Collins, of course. Yeah. And uh, I look around and say, and you know, does anyone know what what band members for what band formed at Charterhouse School? Usually, sea of blank faces. <laughs> but you know, I try my best. I try yeah, my absolutely. Best. You got And, and then the, the other one, uh, even more obscure, is the the guy who built the house, Ralph Sadler. His wife was called Helen Barr. She was married before. She was married to Martin Barr. Oh, I yeah. so. oh, not, the guitar, not the Jethro Tull guitarist. I mean, oh, very, oh. <laughs> this is top quality material. This is so. Yeah, there you go. So, what was it? Is there anything you'd like to raise while you got this uh, opportunity? Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was being, uh, I was just thinking about your. Uh, I know you're in the middle of uh, promoting your uh, collection, David. Your deep. 70s. Oh, oh absolutely! How kind of you to mention that. Yeah. Oh well, only too happy to, only too happy to, because I've been listening to it a lot and discovering a lot. Because the seventies is, they're my formative years. I was ten in nineteen seventy and. 19 when it ended so you know or 20 right. and uh so it's so there's a lot that i missed right i mean i would uh it'd just be too young or you just wouldn't you wouldn't be able to hear it uh anywhere and uh you know things like the things that stood out for me were andy pratt who i didn't know mm. um the app wendy wold is it waldman Waldman. wendy <laughs> waldman yes, yes yes mad mad me and uh and actually listening to it, you know, because it, I, I went sort of back to my 70s mode and thinking, you know, it, there was an air, there was a mystique about stuff because you didn't know anything. You couldn't find yeah, out about absolutely. people. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't read about them. You couldn't hear them on the radio. So you'd have to, and so you'd, you'd pour over the sleeve or the inner notes or anything for information. And I thought, I like to leave it like that. I like to leave it with Wendy Waldman as someone who's got mystique. I don't know anything about her, and I'm not sure. Yeah, leave I want to it go that way. That's, that's really good. So you've not Googled her or anything like that. You just think, yeah, I, well, I was tempted, and I thought, I don't want to. You know, I no, just that's think, really interesting. Yeah, what a, what I might a listen to more of her music, but yeah, I don't want to know yeah, any more about her. You know, <laughs> would you like yeah. to? Would you like to know a piece of information about Andy Pratt? Okay, and um, I'm just going to have to look this up to remind myself while while you're there. Yeah, because Andy Pratt that that's from his uh, very early uh, records, about 1972 or something like that. He has since made. I'm just looking at a whole page on Wikipedia. He must have made another 30 albums since. You're joking. It can't be many fewer. You know what I mean? The most recent one. It uh, came out in 2015 on Continental Records called Do You Remember Me? And, right. and 
I haven't, I, you know, I've I've got his first few, and uh, but it's like everybody, they all keep going. They, they do just keep, keep going. going, and yeah. and and the and the, the tragic truth is, uh-huh. in ninety nine percent of the cases, the best stuff is the first stuff. Yeah, it's very rare that it isn't that way. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you did want to. If you did want to satisfy your curiosity about Andy Pratt, there's yeah. lots to go on. Oh, Don't God. worry about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's, I was going to be. It's I was, funny you I should need say you to that. Filter that. It out for me, David. That's what I need. I need someone yeah. to. Well, that's no, fine. No, because we were talking about that, Mark and I, when we were doing this thing about about it yesterday in, in a record shop. Is that you know there are 71 tracks on the on those four CDs, and pretty much all of them I discovered in a record shop. Right. I didn't discover them on the radio. Didn't discover them no. through reading about them. No. You might have read about them later. Yes. You discovered them because you just walked in and you looked in the new releases and mm-hmm. there was that thing that looked interesting. Well, a lot of them would never been played on the radio, would they? I guess. No. no. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and if they had been, you wouldn't have been listening. You know? No, absolutely. So, uh, I'm also, I'm I have to say, there are two tracks on there that I would say definitely one, probably two that would be Contenders for the greatest record ever made. Oh, go on, which? Uh, uh, go on. Uh, Hammond song by the Roaches. No, I think so too. Oh, right. oh my god, that's my pretty much my favourite. The harmonies on that. Right? Oh, it's beautiful because it's beautifully done, and the, you know the, the 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 guitar work, the vocals, fantastic, and it's both poignant and sad and yes, funny. It is. It is. And, and uh, you think. How do you get all that into five minutes? Yeah. It's gorgeous. And, and do you whatever, know who and it produced, fades in, which is beautiful. Beautiful. Do you know who produced that? Was that Robert Fripp or it's Robert Fripp? Yeah, yeah. Really, He's on the guitar, a really yeah. unlikely thing for Robert Fripp to have done. I know. And he did. I know. Um, it's um I, I mean, that one? one I did know. I bought that when it came out, so I do know that one. But, all right, okay. Uh, so that's that wasn't that wasn't new to me, but uh, it was good to see it on there. And the second one would be Roy Harper's, when that's not new. Oh, there you go. This is a great track. Yeah, yeah. Which they, they I, I, I've, I've now moved, moved my recommendation of Roy Harper's "When an Old Cricketer Leaves the Crease" up a gear, in that yeah. I now say it's the greatest record about sport ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if yeah. anybody can think of uh, a better one, well, that's fighting talk. Right. So it's not you also want. Well, Roy Harper particularly either. No, so no, 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 the other stuff no. he does is it's, a, it's very charming. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, charming yeah. and sweet. No, it's good. But, no, it's very you, good. You, you also mentioned out in your email Alan White. We were talking about Alan White yes. earlier, and, yes. and you, you were wondering if uh, if uh, you know Yes are on tour without a single original member, yes. and. Um, does that still qualify as as the band? Can you say that you're going to go and say yes? You yeah. think the minimum is they should have a singer? Well, the, the, whoever the front man is, it's got to be the front man. He, you know, really, it's got to be the minimum. And John Anderson, I, I think, I mean, they even went to a fair, I don't think they do now, but they had, they actually had the lead singer was the guy from the tribute band, wasn't it, for a while? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would think they're, they're not the only group who've done that. That's Didn't Genesis do group. that briefly? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Marillion do that? Yeah, Genesis. I think it's, I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just can't... Uh, you Gosh. see, I think it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Here's my uh, my response to your very interesting question. Yeah. You couldn't go and see the Rolling Stones without Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. You just couldn't. Right. Mm. It wouldn't work. 
But with a group like Yes, you kind of could. As long as they sounded good, you'd kind yeah. of forgive the fact that that wasn't John Anderson there and, you know, it wasn't real. Well, I, I would. That's the way I would feel about it. Maybe, know? maybe. I, uh, it's difficult to know. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not, they're, what, they're playing the Royal Albert Hall in a couple of weeks. The, the cheapest ticket is something like 70 odd pounds. I don't know about that. Well, um, I, don't think they, they, I mean, I they can't still, still be doing it. I, I find if it. Alan White's that, dead. How are they going to get a drum? No, no, no. They already had the. He was ill before, you know, which he went to. Oh, said, really? Oh, we got, we got, uh, the guy normally filled in for him uh, and did a couple of times. We'd been ill before, I guess. Um, oh, because the press release said he was looking forward to appearing with them. So maybe he was yeah, no, he, 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 do a number or something. Oh yeah, no, I've forgotten who's the guy who sits in for him. Uh, he's done it before anyway. I don't. I think they're still. Well, maybe they're all. They might yeah. all have changed their minds now that they're all. You know, could be very distressing for them. I guess in a yeah. they might think yeah. the show must go on. It'll be interesting. But well, they might. They might well think. How many opportunities do we get? Yeah. yeah Is yeah. there an example yeah. of any group? It's already interesting thought that without the original vocalist, who's who's still somehow been convincing. I can't imagine that there is. No. I mean, Queen uh, tried it. Now, obviously, that was a drama. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Undertones. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, the Dr. Feelgood, did they try without Lee Brio? I mean, that would have been... Can't remember. We were talking about, we were talking about Dr. Feelgood only last night, and Dr. Feelgood are currently still playing, but without a single original member. Isn't that <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. Not one. Oh, dear. Yeah. legally well, if anybody, Dr. Feelgood. So, if anybody's uh, anybody's got anything they they care to add to that uh, that conversation, get in yeah. touch and leave your leave your comments below. So, Ray, it's been lovely talking to you, and, and you. Uh, I hope I hope this has uh, you know, proved a suitable climax to your your week <laughs> birthday festivities. Yes, been very good, very good. Well, when is volume two coming out of the, of the your deep well seven? they <laughs> they you know it's really funny. I was talking to them about it last night, and I. I've started doing a list this morning. It's terrible. If somebody mm-hmm. tells you at a pub, why don't you do another compilation album? Mm-hmm. It's a male vanity kicks uh, in and you go up yeah. and think, yeah, I can do that. You you know. could, you so I've should. got three CDs worked out already. Well, you, you must have had a long list to edit it down. So let's have the long list. No, no, not wildly, because we always no. started, it always had a bit of a focus. So there, there were quite a, there were a few we couldn't get and which we may be able to get next time. We, we shall see. Oh, but I'm very glad you very glad you like it. You're listening to the Word Podcast, where the time is whenever you want it to be. So he's back from the briny, ladies and gentlemen. Alex Gold is once more come ashore with his kit bag over his shoulder, his guitar over the other shoulder. He's back from the wilds of Alaska. Uh, I am, what? yes. What sea have you been sailing, Alex, up there? Which sea is it? What's it called? I think it's, it's in the n- North Pacific. Yeah, it's nudging on the Pacific Ocean, but that's for sure. Uh, although there, there are various smaller seas with it, because there are loads, loads of little inlets. That whole coastline is kind of, um, it's a bunch of small islands, um, essentially. So uh, you, you're constantly um, nudging a, a tiny little sea, which you've never heard of before. Um, so you, this- anyway, you're back. You're back. Have you got your sea legs back? You got a Heathrow this morning. Are you, uh, are you yeah. still feeling? Are you still feeling the rolling of the deck under your feet, or are you? Are you I'm not, but I'm. I, I'm feeling like when I do go to sleep, because you never really sleep on a, on a, on the red eye. When I do go to sleep, it's going to be the greatest sleep anybody's ever enjoyed ever. But the first thing I heard after I got off was that um, the next batch of beat was that I meant to get on. They got turned away at the gate um, because there's there's some some kind of weird visa. Uh, change that's happened. So these guys flew from Buenos Aires 
to Seattle via, I think, three flights and got turned away at the game. Got turned away? Yep. Oh, dear. So, uh, so will you feel tonight, like at, at 8 o'clock tonight, will you just feel this? you should be kind of a, getting your wig on and getting your John Lennon <laughs> voice organised? And will you kind of just... Uh, are you programmed no, to go out there now? No, and, uh, no, the way I'm feeling right now is I, I never want to hear eight days a week ever, ever again. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure that will change... Uh, in due course, I'm, I'm, I'm sure glad. To be, I'm really happy to be back and just have something approaching a normal life for a little bit. Um, right. Well, so here you are, and uh, we ought to just remind people some of the things we've we've done recently. Uh, yes. Word in your attic and word in your ear continues. Uh, you know, it's remorseless schedule of activity. And we yeah, should what plug we... particularly John Hot. Yeah, this guy John, John Hot, old pal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People probably don't may not know John Houghton unless you're a reader of Kerrang back in the day. I think you, I think it's fair enough to say that. And unless you're a, a follower of, uh, of of cricket nowadays, so, so I think it's fair to say those are the, the two poles of his expertise, aren't they? Really. And uh, and in the course of this uh, this chat, he brought together those two brilliant poles. Brilliant. Oh, my God. There's a lovely bit where he talks about the similarities between cricket and spinal tap. And he said both are very poignant because there's a they're about the, the gap between ambition and achievement. <laughs> that yes. was so well put and really amazing about cricket. Talking about how cricket, it, 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 how it drags on the soul and how it exposes people because it's a very individual pursuit, isn't it? You could be in a football team and people can say you had a good, bad or indifferent game. But in cricket, you're being assessed, aren't you, on the number, the tally yeah. of runs you, you make yeah. and uh, you can put yeah. an exact, you can exactly quantify to calibrate your performance. You were saying how... Uh, how uh, how kind of it really got, really penetrated people's souls? The whole thing. Really, I thought it was it, brilliant. Actually, it, it, honestly, you you may not have, uh, have listened to it. You may, I mean, you may even have thought, I don't know who that guy is. I'm not going to watch that. In which case, you're really missing out yeah, because it's, it's one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting ones that we've done. We also talked to Mike Kaufman. Uh, again, a person you may not know, and Mike, amongst many other things, TV producer and music TV producer over a long period of time. But he's also on the selection panel for the Rock and Roll Hall of Hello. Fame, which I'm sorry, he's really interesting. You know, about about the whole kind of jury procedure and how you have to propose people and you know. And uh, how people get through or they don't get through. He's the one. He's the one UK representative, isn't he? On yeah, that? He is, yeah. And uh, so those are those two things required. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, are two things that you really ought to catch up with. Uh, what else we got to talk about? We've got word in your park coming up on June the eighteenth, which is of course Paul McCartney's eightieth birthday. And, Five fantastic uh, speakers. We've got Danny Baker. Go through them. We've got Danny Baker. We've got Grant Goldman of 10CC talking about, you know, the quality of his songwriting. We've got Julia Rayside. We've got uh, Jeff Lloyd uh, and Andy Miller. Is that right? Yeah, that's the five. It's and good. Andy Miller uh, and, and you and me and um, and Alex will be there as well. I will. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the sun is going to shine. The bars are going to be open. It's going to be an absolutely splendid time. We'll be guaranteed for all. And uh, and you know, in line with it follows our our ancient policy of starting early and finishing early, 
So it'll start about two o'clock in the afternoon. All be done and dusted, D and D by five o'clock. So you could be looking at the inside of your lids by eight if that's, <laughs> if that's what you, you want. Stay in or your deck it, chair, could you? In the park, <laughs> dapple you sunlight. Could go out. You can go out for dinner, you know, you can go yeah. to the theatre. Don't forget, it's also a record store day, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. It's it is. Record, record store day. It's also the day before Father's Day. Yes? So, you know, if, if you, I, I don't know, if you are a father or, you you know, you, there's a father you want to buy a present for, it could be an opportunity, you know, come into town and so forth. So, Please be there if you haven't got tickets already. Uh, follow the link below uh, and you can find out how you can get them. What else have we got to talk about, Alex? Uh, Patreon got, supporters? Yes, we've, we've got, got some new Patreon supporters to welcome. And Come they on. are uh, Stephen Donnelly. Stephen, welcome. Hello, Stephen. Duncan Knapp. Splendid. Uh, Duncan Knapp. Very nice. Very good. Rachel Beely. Hurrah. Hello, Rachel. Rachel. Uh, we also have some annual patrons. Now, uh, if you subscribe annually, you get 15% off your yearly subscription. Uh, and they are Darren J. Chamberlain. Very good. Welcome Hello, Darren. John Mercer. Excellent. Hello, John. Marie Griffiths. Pull up a well, chair, Marie. Welcome, Marie. Jim Hirons. Sounds like a song. That Come on down. Marie, it does. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Jim Hirons. Hello, Jim. And we also have uh, some new birthday tier subscribers. Of course, All if you subscribe right, to the yes. birthday tier, you get the great pleasure of having Mark and Dave digitally come round to your house. Come round and look through your records. Very good fun. And they are Eric Alper. Excellent. Hello, Eric. Hello, Eric. And Richard Lewis. Excellent. Hello, Richard. Well, we shall see you look shortly. Look forward to yeah. seeing yeah. them in due Whatever course. Birthday is. Um, what, what else we got? We got to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, was that, yeah, I was. I was just. Uh, what got my goat this week? <laughs> it was. It struck me how fed up I am of seeing uh, journalists posting selfies of them with the people they interview. Um, well, I used to be livid about that when we were editing <laughs> magazines because it would give away the fact that, the, you know, you got an interview with Brian Ferry, which wasn't going to be coming out for two weeks or whatever, you know. But uh, no, but it also destroys the idea that it's meant to be a kind of a sober, professional, you know, business exchange, isn't it? And you ask questions and they provide answers. No, the truth is that everyone's admitting that they are just overcome with excitement about being in the press. It's, it's like, Liberty. I've talked to so-and-so this week, and they're just brilliant. They're My just best fabulous. Mate. And they're really kind to animals and absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, there's this kind of, there's no reserve left any no. longer, you know. It's just... I don't know, you know, maybe has social media killed journalism in that sense? I think it may well have done. Well, I mean, to, to the extent that, you know, that you, journalists always try and pretend that they're not overawed. And it's very hard not to be overawed, don't you think? I, yeah, mean, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was overawed. I can remember being overawed by even being in the presence of people like the Damned because I'd seen them on stage. <laughs> I remember interviewing all the Clash for a TV interview, interviewing all four of the Clash. And just thinking, it's just too much. You know, I've I've had several years of just seeing these people together in a variety of images, and here they are coming to life. They've got such an advantage over you. And also that see, wonderful way that you 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 have this desperate thing inside you where you kind of, you can't help it, you want people to quite like you. 
Don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah, did. definitely. I can remember interviewing Robert Plant and thinking, oh, God, I like Robert Plant, you know. And he he used that brilliant ruse that so many rock stars use. Because at the end, he said, we get on pretty well. i tell you what we ought to do one of these days. We should go out for a drink. You know, maybe maybe in about, you know, a month or six weeks' time when I'm back in town. Of course, a month or six weeks' time, the piece that you've done will be out. <laughs> so you will be massively compromising your chance of having a pint with, with Robert Plant if you write, write anything remotely controversial. So that old ruse, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, have you, you know, Bruce Springsteen does all these meet and greets nowadays. And so, you know, there's, there's millions of pictures of Bruce Springsteen with one... With, with you know, yeah, with, with different different individuals, and Bruce Springsteen's always got the same expression. He's Bruce Springsteen, yeah. And then the person next to him are always just looking flushed and embarrassed, yes, and absolutely thrilled, wide-eyed. I know, <laughs> and it's, it's it's extraordinary contrast. Yeah, and you see it done again and again and again. And that's just the way it is, I suppose. This podcast was brought to you by the Word. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.